Just want to make sure. I want to say good morning to everyone. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, that you let me come down here to preach for you all. Hopefully, there will be something beneficial that each one of you can take away from here. I'm just glad to see everybody here that is willing to take time and set apart time to worship our Creator and King. If I were to ask you, it's kind of an odd question, uh, to pick a book of the Bible, if you didn't know there's 66 books in the Bible, if I were to ask you to pick one of those books that best describes the entire Bible, what would you pick? Uh, maybe you'd pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, because they tell of the life of Jesus. Or maybe you'd pick Revelation because it tells of the story of how Jesus wins in the end. Maybe you go back to the Old Testament and pick uh, the book of Psalms because it has so many different prophecies that you can look and see at different points throughout the story of the Bible. There's not necessarily a wrong answer to this question. Each person can look and see different purposes for each book and reasons that it could represent the whole Bible. But when I thought of a book, I specifically thought of the book of Hosea. In the book of Hosea, it tells a story of a man who is told by God to choose a wife, and this wife, Gomer, leaves Hosea, uh, goes and cheats on him, and goes returns to a life of prostitution, and she deserves to die under the old law. But Hosea gives everything he has, and he, he sells everything, gives everything to buy her back and give her life. In, the, in this book, we can see that God, through Hosea, is actually showing his people the sins they have committed and the punishment that they deserve. But then we see the grace and mercy God has for his people to give them life. We, a couple thousand years later, can look and see how the story plays out in a whole. Uh, in the beginning, God created and chose man uh, who left God and chose death, but God gave everything he had by sending Jesus to die for us and provide us eternal life. If you really think about the Bible, it's really the greatest love story ever. Uh, one of the key factors in the story of the Bible, besides Love and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us is the grace and the mercy that God provides to those who deserve death. If we were to read the whole book of Hosea, we would see the wrath that God has and the punishments he pronounces on the people in Israel. But I want to look at the end in Hosea chapter 14. If you want to take your Bibles out and turn to Hosea chapter 14, we're going to read the first seven verses. Hosea 14, we're going to start in verse 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, Take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more our God to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. This is God speaking here. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. 
His shoots are spread out, his beauty like the, like the olive, and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. This is really an amazing part of the story in Hosea, where the Lord shows mercy to those who repent. So let's take a little bit, if grace and mercy is such a big part of the Bible, let's take a little bit to talk about grace and us. I'm a very visual and imaginative person, so when I try to wrap my head around a concept, I like to play like little pictures, little movies in my head. So I'm going to give you a little scenario, and if you like to close your eyes, you can, that's perfectly fine, or you just sit and listen. But I want the story to start out with a little fawn or a deer. I put a picture up here for reference if you don't know what a little deer looks like. Uh, and this fawn is walking through some woods. All of a sudden, this fawn hears two deer. This is not you know, like a real story. These deer can talk in, the, in this story. Just letting you all know, deer don't actually talk. Um, but this little fawn, he hears two adult deer saying, come here, quick. And, you know, I... I using my hand, sorry. But they're saying, come here real quick. So this fawn, he kind of trots over to where these deer are. And in between two adult deer and this fawn, there is a fence. And I want you to imagine a fence like this. Uh, we have a lot of types of fences, you know, the cattle fence, chicken wire, you know, the horse fences. But I like this type of fence because of later in the story, I'll explain why. But they say, quick, jump this fence. So this little fawn's like, okay. So he jumps over the fence. And these two adult deer, they all of a sudden, whew, you're safe now. It's okay. And they're like, the fawn's like, well, what was, what was going to hurt me? I mean, I was just eating grass over there. It was perfectly fine. And I say, turn around. Look, that hunter was about to get you. And so this fawn, he turns around. He says, he sees this hunter, lowers his gun, and starts walking away. And he says, Wow. Thank you for, for saving me, but why did when I jump this fence, this hunter not continue to shoot me? What stops the hunter from killing me? And one of this deer, he says, well, this is a wildlife sanctuary. Uh, that it was built for us, and we are safe as long as we stay inside of the fence. In this little story, there are four key components I want you to take away. One is the little fawn, and I want you to think of yourself as this fawn, because at some point in your life, or currently you are, this little fawn that's minding your own business, just going about your day. The second thing I want you to notice is the two adult deer. I said two because I just wanted it to be plural. Uh, but these deer are people who have helped you find your way to Jesus, or people who are currently trying to help you get on, your, on the straight and narrow path. The next thing I want you to notice is this hunter. The hunter is anyone or anything that is not from the Father. So you can think of it as sin, temptation, the, the devil. It could be anything that is not from God. And finally, the last thing is the fence. And the fence can be symbolized as many different things. Perhaps you thought of the fence being Jesus, and you would be right. Maybe you thought of baptism. Again, you would be right but for today, I want you to picture this fence as a fence of grace 
that God has provided. This fence surrounds a sanctuary that was built by God for all deer, or us. I'm going to keep us to deer as we go throughout. And as long as deer stay inside of a wildlife sanctuary, they are safe from death that undoubtedly waits outside of them, whether it be, you know, cars on a road or somebody going hunting looking for that big, you know, big 12-pointer, right? If they stay inside the sanctuary, they are safe. I keep forgetting to do my clicks here. But it was built by God, and I like to say it was built with blood, sweat, and tears. Turn over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 44. Luke 22, look at verse 44. We all know this story. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he is praying here. Look at verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Keep this in mind as we go over to John chapter 19. Look at John 19 and verse 34. John chapter 19, verse 34 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Both of these verses, I just want to remind you of the sacrifice that Jesus made, and the tears he had, the blood he shed, and I mean, even, we, we don't even really think about it, the sweat he had. This, the, the pain and agony he went through to build this sanctuary that you and I all have access to. And this fence was put up when, when Jesus built this sanctuary not to keep people out, but actually to help keep people in. We may find it hard to understand grace, and so I'm not going to try and get too deep into it. It goes way deep down the rabbit hole, and it's a great study. But it can be hard sometimes to wrap our heads around grace that God provides us. Because, one, it's of our society. We are a very judicial society. If someone does something wrong, we expect justice to be served, and we want it to be served immediately. And we also expect God to do the same. Uh, just not to us when we sin, because you know we want, we want you know, a lot of grace and mercy there. But the honest truth is, the sin that you and I commit is no different than the person who traffics humans, or rapes, or murders, or loots and steals. Because we can see that no one is without sin, and all sin is equal. Turn over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, we're not going to read all of this. Well, we might actually. I don't know. It's, we'll see how it goes. We'll start in verse 9. Romans 3, starting in verse 9. What then, are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have all already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. 
Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since the law comes since through the law comes knowledge of sin. This is really a terrifying thought if you really spend time and meditate on this passage. No one is righteous. No, not one. There at the end of verse 10. We are all under this category. We are all that little fawn that's about to be shot by the hunter. Until a moment we saw a fence. Let's keep reading here in Romans chapter 3, picking up in verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Through the law and the prophets bear, though, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, there, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. In Jesus. God shows his righteousness by building a fence that keeps the hunter out, but also helps us stay in. The fence does its job, but remember, here, we'll go back and look at it. This fence, I said specifically this one, it has big holes in it. It's got a few planks there, but it's got big holes in the fence. Have you ever seen an animal stick their head through a fence? I think specifically of sheep. Has anybody here ever raised sheep? Yeah, you've done sheep. A few people have done sheep. My dad did sheep, and he told me they are the dumbest creatures on the planet. They, they'll fall into holes, and you pull them out, and they'll go right back in the exact same hole. They'll stick their head through a fence, and they'll just go to another hole in the fence. We do that. We, you see all throughout the Bible that we are actually referenced to being sheep, and it makes sense sometimes because although we have this great gift, we sometimes go right back to sin. Sometimes we get too close to this world of death outside of the sanctuary. Let's go back to our story for a little bit. Imagine you're that fawn again. You're in the sanctuary. You're doing good, right? And you, you're just wandering around the sanctuary safe by, beside the fence. And you look. And on the other side of the fence, there's this nice, bright, green patch of grass. And it looks real tasty. And so you stick your head through. And you start munching on this grass. And all of a sudden, you realize it's starting to taste a little funny. Uh, and, and you notice that you, as you're drooling, you know, it's, it's dripping on the grass and the green's starting to fade away. It's starting to turn brown and, and gross. And all of a sudden, boom, a gunshot fires. You pull your head back in the fence as fast as you can, but you've already been hit. 
Luckily, the, the sanctuary owner is always right there beside you. He pulls out this bullet that's in your shoulder. It's not a fatal wound. It's not going to kill you, but it's definitely going to leave a scar. As you sit there, you understand that the hunter in the world of death spray painted the grass to make it nice and green and and look real pretty just to get you to stick your head out so he could shoot you. But we must be grateful that our shepherd is willing to help us when we mess up. He doesn't actually kick you out of the sanctuary. He said, you messed up, you're out. He doesn't let you suffer once you've been shot. He doesn't say, you're going to sit there and you're going to bleed out for a little bit, then I'll heal you. Once we understand what we've done wrong, he's there. He mends, he takes care of us, and he makes us better. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. I'm sure we all know this verse. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In our scenario of us being deer in a sanctuary... Once you've been shot, once you, you know your limits, God and Jesus, the sanctuary owners, they, they do something really cool. They take you and they walk you to the middle of the sanctuary where it's safer. They say, now stay here for a little bit. Get your strength back up. Then you'll heal and you'll be good. The fence of grace will protect you as long as you never leave the sanctuary. The grace that God provides us is so amazing. It's really one of the greatest things out there. So since we've been shown so much grace and mercy in our lives, you know, we can live here, we can be safe, uh, we don't have to worry about the death that's on the other side of the fence because we are in the sanctuary. What are we supposed to do about it? We, what is our response going to be? Let's see what Paul has to say. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's keep reading on in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we through many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. 
the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's a lot in the verse right there. Talking about all of us being one body together. But I specifically want to focus there towards the end. We are to help others. Am I missing a click? Yeah, we will want to please God. We will want to serve others. And we are to be humble, as we can see in verse 3. As I already mentioned, 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, when we must have humility in our lives, because only with humility can we survive. Only be, by being humble do we realize that we need to jump the fence. Being humble is the only way we understand that we need the grace of God. Let's turn over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Because Jesus did not come into the world to save those who think they don't need saving. We can see this in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus says, Hold on, I missed the page. Matthew 9, verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came for those who know they need saving. And only through humility can we attain the grace of God. But not only humility is what we're called to do and be humble in Romans chapter 12. But we also need to serve God entirely. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Look at that verse again. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we truly understand the grace that God has provided us, the salvation He's given to us, we will desire to commit our lives fully to Him. We will desire to live a pure life. We will long to please Him. We will long to obey His every command. I can't give enough Bible verses that, that support this because we basically have to read the entire Bible. But I would like to read Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When we want to serve God and please Him, we will do what is good. We will have the fruits of the Spirit. We will show love. We will show joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will put away the old person of sin and we will start a new life. But we don't stop there. We may put away the old person of sin and we may start living a good life, but that's not the end of it. Turn back to Romans chapter 12 and we're going to pick up in verse 4. Romans 12, starting in verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We're not only to be a good person once we follow Jesus personally. We are also to do good. We will do good. Because God has given each of us, by His grace, abilities to use. For His kingdom, for the saints here in the body of Christ, and for those who are not saved, those who are out in the world. These things Paul said to do are not because we have to, but because we want to. Look at verse 9 in Romans chapter 12. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The only way we can do these things, the only way we can overcome evil, is by being in the sanctuary that God built for us. The only way someone can do these things is because they have entered into the sanctuary that God has made. It's the only way possible. Then they will see how good the grass actually tastes. They will know no hunter is going to kill them. And we know that. Why wouldn't we want to share that with others? 
One last thing I want to mention, then the lesson will be yours. We are all responsible for our section of fence. When you see a, a fawn or a person walk into your reach, you have to do at least one simple thing, and that's say, come and see. Turn over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, some of the most powerful words to call others to Christ. Just three simple words. John chapter 1, starting in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. After all, we were called by somebody. Why wouldn't we want to call somebody? I know how difficult it can be to get out of your comfort zone. Uh, it, but it's a lifestyle you actually have chosen. If you have chosen to commit your life to Christ, you also said along with it, yeah, I'm going to be a good person, but I'm also going to call others. I'm going to say to somebody, Come and see the blessings that I have in Christ. I want you to have it too. Luckily, we have resources that make it easier. We have a complete scripture given to us. They didn't have that in the first century. You'd have to go to the, the synagogues or uh, talk to somebody who had a book memorized in order to get our hands on what we have. We, most of us carry around a phone with us 24-7 or close to it, maybe not when you're sleeping. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone, you should. Carry around with you. It's so easy just to say, come and see. You have social media. Come and see us this Sunday or this Wednesday. Just come and see. That is all you need to do. God does the rest. John chapter 4, there's a great example of the Samaritan woman. In verses 28 of John chapter 4, we can see the Samaritan woman. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Jump down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his word. As recipients of grace, the least we can say is come and sing. The concept of grace, I know we didn't get too much into it. We just kind of skipped the surface. As you go deep into it, sometimes it can blow your brain a little bit, the love that God has for us. But it's okay. We don't really have to worry about it. That's God's job. He maintains the fence. We don't have to worry about it. God provides the grace, so we should want to please Him for the amazing gift He gave to us. By, just a little recap. Being humble and thankful for the gift he has given us. The gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. Then after we, we understand the true gift, if you ever can truly understand it, then we want to obey God's will by living a pure life, 
following the words that we have right here entirely. And then finally, by telling as many people as possible about the salvation we have through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to say that the freedom we gain by being in this sanctuary is it's truly the best thing ever. I pray that everyone who hears the word of God or reads it will believe in the truth and can be forgiven and, and will be forgiven when they humble themselves at the throne of grace and mercy. Last verse. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Once we do that, we can then obey the will of God by being immersed in the water of baptism. It's right here. It's being prepared. I assume it's right here. And so it's, it's, we're making it as easy as possible for you. I mean, if you want to go find a pond or a creek, we can do that. But it's right here. And the great thing is, in a second, we're going to sing 3.30, just as I am, right? Just as you are, you can come to the Lord. Can't stay that way, but you can come just as you are and be changed. If you would like to be baptized, if you would like to live a life, if you would like to be in that sanctuary, have eternal life, be safe from death, right now is the perfect time. Why don't you come to the front as we stand and sing?